On this episode of the Nesson Celtics podcast, Chelsea Sherrod and I will recap the first two games of the Bucs Celtics series, what the Celtics did right for that game two bounce back, and what we see for game three. Plus, how much further can the Celtics go without Marcus Smart if he can't play on Saturday? Let's go. All right, Chelsea, we have a series because it's not just nodded at one apiece. It's the Celtics came out in game two, punched the Bucks in the mouth, built a wall around Giannis while also just taking care of him one-on-one with Alan Grant. And they said, hey, we're here to play. And just like how the Bucks won 101-89, the Celtics said, we got you better, 109-86 a game two win, day and night from the first two games. But to me, the difference was for game two, the offense. That's what the Celtics need to step up. And it definitely did. What did you see for game two? Oh yeah, absolutely. We definitely have a series now. I love that you titled this episode that, but yeah, I mean, they responded very well in game two. I don't think it could have gotten any better. I think in the first game, they had a lot of trouble turning defense into offense. I think that they did a pretty good job in the first quarter, especially, but in the first half, kind of locking down Giannis and defending him as best as they could. Uh, I thought that Grant Williams, we'll get to him a little bit later, and Al Horford did a great job on him. But, yeah, they went very cold in the second half of game one. Obviously, Jalen Brown kind of went missing in that game, and he definitely showed up in game two, so I think his response was great. But, yeah, I mean, they, in the first in the first game, um, the Bucks also went on like a 15 to five run to end the first quarter. So I think we were seeing a little bit of the inconsistencies that the Celtics have been dealing with this season then. And you can't do that when you have a guy like Giannis who can just bully his way through the paint on anyone. But yeah, I definitely like the way that they responded in the second game. It was great. The audacity, I want to save that for Ime Odoka to go from, we're going to double team everyone, especially Giannis, to hey, one-on-one, Alan Grant, also the audacity of them to have the confidence in doing that. We're going to leave you one-on-one and we're going to keep face guarding the rest of the shooters. So basically there's no easy shots because Giannis dealing with the strength of Alan Grant really shocked him. And they forced him to take a lot of bad shots, forced him into the mid-range game, shooting outside of the paint, which he shot two for eight, I believe outside of the paint in game two. But Giannis overall, I mean, nine for 25 from the floor in game one. And then nine for 27, I could be wrong on the game two. For Giannis, 11 for 27. I know I was too off on that. But he is averaging around 36% from the floor in these two games. So defensively, they're taking care of him. What the issue was in game one, the defensive rotations weren't crisp. Double teams were happening, but then covering who they were leaving open wasn't happening. You saw miscommunications happen as well. Even to a point, my favorite moment was it where I kind of laughed in game one was Bucks put together a run, had a really good sequence on both ends of the floor. Tatum and the Celtics looked out of it. Ime calls a timeout looks at Jason and goes, yo, WTF, man. But he actually says WTF because he's calling him (laughs) out. But in game two, I mean, so game one, they had 44 transition points for the Bucs, 28 from turnovers. Game two, 15 transition points for Milwaukee. That was the difference. And I looked at it when I walked away from game one. It took me a while to really digest it. But when I saw the final scores, 101-89, I said, and I said to you when I saw your work on Monday, I'm like, they can live with that. Because 101 points running up against the Bucs, the 89 shows where the offense didn't show up. And when you're going to shoot as poorly as the Celtics did and be forced into taking that many threes, I said it before the series started, the Bucs are the best defensive rebounding team in the playoffs. So when you feed into that and you get Giannis, who is the best transition scorer in the NBA because he can't be stopped, 
I mean, that's just going to be the recipe of your demise. So we saw too, and what I loved with Jalen heating up in the first quarter, the whole first half really with 25 points at half. I mean, he showed up to the arena four hours early. He was the first one on the floor. He was locked in from that game one loss, but it wasn't just going to the rim and it wasn't just threes. He was finding that cushion in the mid-range game, which it was open. I mean, the Celtic shot chart in game one showed no mid-range makes, not really right. shots from mid. And that does another challenge when you're running the pick and roll because Brooke Lopez and Giannis will either go fall back for the drop uh, dump off pass and, or just face guard you and make sure you can't get a three or recover. But what that does, that adds another element. Hey, you can't drop back as much. It opens things up around the rim. So they check like, it was just his energy, his focus for Jalen. That was the catalyst really to me for the Celtics. Cause it got the offense started. He cooled off in the second half and Tatum had 19 of his points in the second half. Yeah. I think that's the thing about Jalen. I mean, I think that game one definitely left a sour taste in his mouth and for basketball players, you kind of have to have short-term memory and just like onto the next mentality. And I think that he definitely played that way in game two, but we see some of the immaturity in his game because he can be hot and cold it was just like in in game one like he started out pretty well in the first half of game one and then in the second we didn't see him and then in game two he goes off for 25 in the first and then in the second he's a little quieter so I think if we can find a little bit better of a balance for him then that will be key for the Celtics also one thing I have to say about Giannis is that I haven't seen Giannis miss this many layups in a while and I think it's obviously because of the way that the Celtics are defending him, how Grant Williams is defending him, how Horford is, and obviously having Rob swiping in the middle. But it's not like he's been shooting extremely well. I mean, you just went over his numbers. Like he, 11 for 27 from the field, like, geez. But he is going to get certain buckets, and he is very hard, and he definitely tires out these Celtics guys. So I think it's important for them to take off possessions if they need to, Obviously, having, you know, Grant come off the bench a little earlier in the second game, I think, was huge for the Celtics and getting some momentum going. They also won the rebounding battle in the second game. They won the assist battle in the second game. So all in all, I think that you just, they just came out with a lot more intensity in game two from jump and kind of punched them in the face, so to speak. And I think that if they can do that, especially on the road, then that will be great for them in this series. Because now they know that they're definitely coming back home, right? Yeah. So if you can go to Milwaukee and at least get one or get two, which would be great, you know, for them, you come back and you have game five at home. So that's crucial. Game two is a must win. Now game one and game two, obviously were must wins, but you can't, you couldn't go back. Oh, and two to Pfizer form. That's unrecoverable. Game two right. is a must win. They got back to the principles too. That's what I love is like, what did the Celtics do? Nothing crazy except for changing up that they're just going to go one-on-one -on, -one on defense instead of the double teams, but they got back to the principles driving kicking driving again replacing the shooter well what i love from jalen and jason too was if they were the initial driver they wouldn't drive give the pass up and hang out under the rim and watch they would give it one mississippi two mississippi or just quick seconds and then relocate to the corner that's what led to a jalen brown three early on to open up his scoring run in the first it happened for jason tatum three two and even with jalen brown i mean he was just in his bag early on you know a shot over Brooke Lopez, dropped Grayson Allen. He was in the off. zone. And he had a step back over Giannis. And when he hit that step back over Giannis, I'm like, this guy's tapped in. Yeah, he did disappear in the second half, but it helped to have Jason Baum with you. They need him. As much as, to me, Grant and Allen are the X factors in this series because of what they do defensively and what they've showed up on offense, Jalen Brown, you're going to be the number two. You got to be consistent. Yeah. I don't need 32 a game from him, but I want a good, efficient 24 a game. Yeah. 
no, throughout absolutely. the game, hit the big time shots, a good passer at that. And with it too, I mean, he got his turnover numbers down. He really cleaned it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Six assists, just two turnovers after having seven turnovers in game one. To me, that was yep. huge. It goes into it. I mean, for Giannis shooting 38% from the floor and Drew Holiday shooting 37%, those are their two best scores. Mm-hmm. So we saw how the Bucks were able to defend. And you can't say the size and physicality didn't shock uh, the Celtics. It would. You go from the Nets to them, that's what's going to happen. But they're still – you could tell where they're missing Chris Middleton, especially in the pick and roll, especially for Giannis. Yeah. Because he can hit the tough shots. He can make yeah. the tough passes. He has good vision. And yeah. for Giannis – it comes to when he's playing ISO ball, kind of he's running into that one person wall and it's preventing him. What did work for the Bucks in the second half though, and I noticed was Giannis being the screener and the Celtics making sure to stick with them. I led a Grayson Allen bucket, the Pat Connaughton buckets. I uh-huh. won't be surprised to see more of that in game one because they're going to say, hey, we don't want Giannis to get his, the other guys score like they did with Kevin Durant in the Nets in game in the first series. Yeah. So I can see him going with that early. And then obviously Ime will have an answer for that. But that's only really when the offense got going for Milwaukee because they shot three for 18 from three. 18 three-pointers, that's the least amount of threes the Bucks shot in the Mike Budenholzer era. That's how good the Celtics defense was at denying and running them off the three. It's not just you're not going to make them, you're not going to shoot them. Right, and especially, you know, going three for 18, I mean, I don't anticipate them doing that again in this series like so the Celtics should have won this game yes absolutely they have their hands in the passing lanes at all times which is great you just talked about Grayson Allen who in the first series in the first round he had a couple of games where he went I think five for six from three he had one where he went like six for seven and then in these two games he had one game where he went oh for one from three and then in game one from three he went three for six all right 50 percent for him in game one but Three for 18, no, they're not going to shoot that way again from three. But I think for the Celtics, that's one of their biggest assignments. Because if you hold them to three three pointers and then you go on and you shoot 20 for 43 for the game from three for the Celtics, that's huge. I mean, like, especially in, in the first half of game two, they were lighting it up from downtown. It was literally incredible. And most of those were coming from Jalen Brown, obviously, who was just in a zone like seeing a player go off like that is just so fun to watch it's so exciting and again to see the way that he responded from game one was huge but yeah the Celtics if they can hit threes and if they can prevent their opponent from making threes then that's a recipe for success for them I didn't the like the Celtics shot well from three in game one but 53 is too much like 36 percent from deep you take it but the game two 20 for 43 going in, finding those mid-range shots. Just literally, we're going to hurt you from every single layer. And it just showed, I mean, the response. You want to see that from the guys. And for the Celtics, for them tapping in, like they punch us in the face, we're going to punch them back in the mouth. And they did it. They asserted themselves in every facet of the game. And Yeah, also Grant Williams from three, I just have to say, yeah. six for nine from three. Career like high. we try to tell people, stop leaving Grant open from three. I do see the Bucks kind of running out on him a little bit more now because he's just been draining them. But like, if you can get that from Grant, like shooting 50% from the field, six for nine from downtown, as well as playing extremely hard on the defensive end, stopping Giannis or slowing him down at least, he's been huge. Yeah, and it's a career-high 21 points for him. And I even go back to when you think in the first half with the run-they're-on. I remember four minutes left in the second quarter. We saw the ball movement be beyond crisp. It started with 
Jalen Brown driving, finds White underneath the basket. He gives it to Al Horford in the corner, cross court to JB on the wing, pump fakes for JB, drives in, rises mid-range, finds Derek White in the opposite corner, who swings it to Tatum on the near wing, who then drives in, has a no look to Al Horford underneath the rim. The most beautiful yeah. three, two points I've seen in this play, this postseason. That just shows the chemistry, the confidence, yeah. the amount of fun and trust they have in each other too, to just mm-hmm. have the success. Because yeah. Grant Williams had a career high 21 points after the game. He was kind of asked about that. And what he said himself was he brought up the trust and the fun they're having. He doesn't care to get his. He'll hit his shots. And then meanwhile, they held Giannis to two for 12 in the first half. That was his worst shooting half in a game when he had 10 plus shots and a half. And through the first five and a half games of the postseason for the Celtics, they're holding their opponents to 36% shooting from the floor yep. and 27% shooting from three. So it's been, the, the defense has been there. The offense showed up. The balance that they had from half to half was big. Here's the biggest thing I give credit to, because when Marcus Smart was ruled out with his quad contusion, because Ime Odoka said he wasn't any better when he showed up to the arena from game two compared to when he left the arena after game one. Yep. I was ready to hit the panic button. I opened up the glass the glass container. My finger was above the red button because he's their main ball handler and the bucks pressure screwed them up in game one. I was panicking because of Derek white on offense. I get him on defense, but then Peyton Pritchard gives you that shooting on offense, but can he be targeted on defense? Email Doka found a way to shield both of them, not let them get targeted on either end. Like I cannot say enough about him and just also credit to Derek white and Peyton Pritchard going out and knowing their role. Mm -hmm. No, like I think, especially in the, in game one, there was, an instant where Marcus, I think he, uh, his shoulder popped out or something. It was like right before halftime and he ran to the locker room and a lot of people were saying, you know, based on how this first half was going, if they lose Marcus in the second half, like things get a lot more ugly. And so I think going into game two, you know, they're thinking, whoa, like they don't have Marcus, like they needed him in game one. So if we don't have him for game two, how will this look? So the way that the Celtics were able to come together and I think One thing that I was talking about was the way that they all buy into their defensive identity as a team. And without Marcus Smart, through the first half, they held Giannis and Drew to a combined six for 23 shooting. Like that's huge. And you talk about ball pressure. I mean, Drew is bringing up the ball and you hold them to making six shots. Like that's incredible. So I think that the way that they kind of like, it's like next man up mentality. They pick each other up. We don't have Marcus. Obviously we all have to give a little bit more here. And they did that and they proved themselves. And obviously it was paying off in game two. Tough for me to find another time to see a player like Derek white go over six from the floor and his plus mine was still plus 22. Yeah. That just talks about, that just shows, shows about the team ball. Now you're, you're a huge Derek white fan. I, I love that he's decisive and I like him on defense, but whenever he does put up a shot on offense, my fingers are crossed. When he misses, I just go, dude, what gives? Like what has happened? It has to be a confidence thing. He has to just hate shooting that thing, but everything else he does within the game is big. I just, I like him in his role and he knows it. I like him a lot better coming off the bench with Marcus Smart in there. What do you expect for game three, A from Ime and B from Mike Boonholzer? Oh man. Um, Oh man. I, I definitely expect Mike Budenholzer to, you know, ask his guys to come out and bring a certain intensity that they have or that they should have, especially because they have home court advantage in these games. Like they're going to have their fan base there. It's going to be loud, whatever. Uh, but they've got to punch first. And I think the thing with the Celtics, and I'll even give the Celtics a credit in the first game too, is that 
they punched first defensively. So the thing for Mike Budenholzer that he's probably telling his guys is, okay, we've got to throw the first shot. We've got to get things going first. We've got to get Giannis scoring early to get him going early because that'll help set the tone for us. For Ime, he's probably looking at his guys and he's saying, you know what? We just got this big win. We held them to 86 points in that game. We've got to make sure that we keep this level of play high, especially because we're going on the road. And I think that the Celtics play fairly well on the road. I think that he's also going to remind them about how they got those two road wins in Brooklyn. Granted, these are the Bucks and the Nets are two completely different teams. But the fact that you're able to do that is going to be huge. I mean, it's going to be a lot harder to get Celtics fans out to Milwaukee. Like going down to Brooklyn is a much quicker travel time or much quicker drive. But yeah, I think that they, for the Celtics, just like we talked about earlier, it's going to be like, okay, we know who we are on defense but we've got to stay locked in on offense. And in game two, we saw that they were patient in their offensive possessions. They weren't rushing. They were passing the ball. They were, you know, there were some points where they were getting down to maybe two or three th- seconds left on the shot clock because they weren't rushing. They weren't just coming down and pulling threes. And I think they've got to remember to do that when they're on the road in Milwaukee, especially when all of the momentum is going to be in the Bucks' favor at that point. What's big was Brad Stevens said on 98.5, this morning so Thursday morning time we're recording that Marcus Smart worked out in Boston yesterday so on Wednesday while the rest of the Celtics are on an off day Stevens did say they're hopeful but not certain but you'd take Mm -hmm. that it is big you get the win and Marcus Smart has five days off and even a quote-unquote later tip with the game three tipping at three o'clock on Saturday it's a lot of time for him to get treatment and recover I agree with you like for the Celtics you went out what happened in game one is the Bucks beat you at your own game. They're going to punch you in the mouth defensively Physical. and find and find smart shots and make them on offense. Right. They bounced back. They found their identity. They did what they needed to do. Like there's nothing to change from game two to game three. I expect Bud to come out, establish his other guys more, have Giannis mm-hmm. as a screener. Celtics maybe will be like, okay, then email counters are, right, we got to sag off Giannis a little, but then that's going to be another of, as it was on offense, I like them replacing the shooter. You got to replace the defender. If someone sags off Giannis, someone got to be ready to rotate over and get in front of them. They had, I mean, they built a wall in front of them in transition with like Peyton Pritchard on the floor, part of a three-man wall to slow down Giannis. And he was missing. He's such a shots. great spark off the bench. He is, and he's defied my expectations, exceeded mm-hmm. them all the way. For when it comes to it, they definitely need Marcus Smart back in it. You can't. He can't go a series out defensive player of the year. No. But it helps the Celtics that he gets five days off. Jason Tatum had his left hand taped up. He had some swelling. He's going to get three days off. I hated this three-day rest day as a fan. I love it looking at it now because you know how important it is for the Celtics. And, hey, for the Bucs, too, who knows what could happen with Chris Middleton in that way. No, yeah, true. That's It's huge for them to have this break. Even Jalen Brown with his hamstring. like Everyone needs rest. And, again, I think for the Celtics it's going to be huge – if they can make sure that everyone stays healthy, that's going to be the biggest thing for them in this series. They're playing extremely physical. Like you see them battling in the post. Like there was that one play that we were talking about in the office that I loved from Giannis and him and JT were in the post. They were kind of far out, kind of like baseline and Giannis catches it. Jason is battling with him. Like they are pushing and shoving. Jason gets tripped up on Giannis's right leg. JT goes down. Giannis drives middle and then finishes with like full extension, like a finger roll. It was beautiful, but it's those plays. Like you're going to get banged up when you're going one-on-one with Giannis, when you see him driving downhill towards you. Like I was tweeting like, wow, that looks pretty scary. 
seeing Giannis come at you full-fledged. But this rest is going to be huge for them. And if they can stay healthy, talking about Rob, just like you mentioned, talking about Jason Tatum's hand, Marcus Smart coming back, it'll be great if he comes back in game three for them. So we'll see. It's interesting for game three. It makes sense they're on the road, but I do like the Celtics in game three because they've established that confidence, that chemistry, knowing what to do. And for them, it's literally getting back to their game. For the Bucs, Giannis is still lost offensively when it comes to scoring. This defense went from having KD all out of sorts until game four to now Giannis shooting at a bad clip through two games. So that's why I like the Celtics in game three. It's at Pfizer. It's going to be loud. But what you said, Celtics have to come out there and land that first punch. You can quiet up an arena quick. Right. If you keep the Bucs away from even shooting threes, but let alone even making them, because that's the fastest way to get back into a game. It's why whenever you're up against Warriors, no lead is saved because that tidal wave of threes happened. And yep. two minutes later, you went from up 21 to trailing by four. And yeah. it doesn't make sense. What plays into the Celtics' hand is what is Giannis's strength? It's being strong, dunking, finishing around the rim. Right. A two-point dunk just doesn't have that momentum spark that a three can have of like uh-huh. what Steph and Clay can provide. Uh-huh. So if the Celtics come out, they get to running their offense. Tatum and Brown need to be hitting their shots because those guys have to be the catalyst offensively. Right. When you spell in a Grant or an Al and bring them off the bench, they got to follow that up. Yeah. I just, I like the Celtics because they, it's game two. I've been, I was asked on Milwaukee radio yesterday, are they closer to game one? Are they somewhere between? Are they closer to game two? I'm like, they're game two. That's what the Celtics are. That's why I was confident in Celtics in seven. Mm -hmm. I'm still confident in Celtics in seven because it has to be so relieving where for them, they go, we got a win getting back to playing and doing what we do best. Meanwhile, right. for the Bucs is we got a win, but we still are struggling offensively because Drew Holiday, right. good shot creator, not great. And the, and the Celtics are the best ISO defense in the league. Right. Honest, great driver, shot creator for himself. But if you stay square and you eat those shoulders, which is easier said than done, as Grant, as Grant and Al do, <laughs> and you don't have to help on defense. I mean, it just helps so many hands around him, so much traffic around him. It yeah. frustrates the heck out of him. We've seen it. Yeah. No, I think for, just like you mentioned, I mean, Giannis and Drew combined in game one took 45 shots. In game two, they took 47 shots. I mean, they're going to take the bulk of the, the shots for the Bucks, obviously. And if you can hold them to like, Drew went seven for 20, in game two, he finished with 19. Like, if you can hold him to that, okay, well done. One thing that I will say about Giannis is, no, we have not seen him have this, like, super dominant offensive performance in game one and game two. But what I will say, as far as scoring is concerned, but what I will say is that he's realized that he hasn't been making as many layups because there's so many hands and so many bodies that he's had to run through this Celtics defense. So he's been assisting like in the first game, he had 11 assists in that game. In the second game, he had seven assists. And obviously, you know, getting those assists is based on if your teammates actually score when you pass them the ball. But the fact that he's finding his teammates is huge. So for the Celtics, looking at this from a positive standpoint, if you can hold Giannis to shooting Uh, 11 for 27 or nine for 25. And then his supporting cast, if you can also hold them to taking less shots or them scoring less, then that'll be huge. It goes back. People forget when they'd be like, wow, Giannis is a good passer. He grew up wanting to be Magic Johnson. He didn't want to be a power when Magic talked about the Bucks Celtics series too. What did Magic say? He was just saying if the Bucks won game two, then the Celtics would get swept. That's the most absurd thing ever. (laughs) 
that's there's no this this team I mean, it doesn't matter now but it doesn't but i just can't like uh, it's magic on twitter i'm not going to get into that yeah tate like tatum he has that dog in him now he finally tapped into what people mm-hmm. wanted from him of can you go out and kill can you be that guy can you yep. get pissed off and win and the good part too from the celtics as a team that loves to complain they stopped complaining against the refs like they did complain in game one they stopped that in oh, game yeah. two yeah and that's what was good to see but it comes into that they were focused on basketball jalen brown was locked in and that lead oh my gosh fled off into everyone i like like i like the celtics in game three it's interesting they're plus 120 money line they're also plus two and a half i mean that's a good spread i took bucks plus five game two i did also take them under one 105 and a half though so luckily my under hmm. hit there yeah but the spread was blown out the window this one over under at 213 i would just keep hmm. hammering the under here because it's going to be a rock fight no matter what what you I would also at take best the under. is like a 107 103 win mm-hmm. Vegas knows something Watch it. The Celtics are going to end up winning 109 to about 104. And it's going to hit it and it's going to be a push or 109, 105. But I just like the Celtics in this. I just think it goes back to they found their comfort. They know what they need to do. They're going to be rested. They have time to get to Milwaukee to get assimilated to the Pfizer Forum. Yep. They've played, they've played on tough road games and they've had experience in the playoffs. Yeah. Both teams have. They both have that championship composure and poise and confidence. But for the Celtics, I just like them in game three because simply put, they're now playing their ball. The Bucs are yet to get comfy. Mike Budholzer said it, and he said it in a way he's crediting Giannis. He goes, Giannis always seems to find to figure things out. Bud gets stubborn. I saw him do it firsthand in last year's postseason run. When literally against the Hawks and the Nets, people are like, can Bud even step off foot of the plane? Can we just leave him in Atlanta or Brooklyn? And I'm <laughs> leading him to a ring, but he can get stubborn in his ways. He may say if he's stubborn or not. I mean, he's just getting on him to go back and playing the team defense and playing team offense. The Celtics yeah. are playing their ball. The Bucs are yet to get there. That's why I like the Celtics in this one. I like the over-under at 213. It just makes yeah. sense. No, no, I like the under. I, I would go under 213 for sure. These are both two very strong defensive teams also, so that's why I take the under. But one thing about the Bucs, and Mike Budenholzer is that before they won the championship last season, everyone was saying like, you know, Mike isn't using Giannis to his potential. Like what has Giannis actually done? Like who's around him? Who's the supporting cast? Like people wanted Mike Budenholzer out the door respectfully before they won a championship. So the Bucks know how to win. They know obviously how to get things done. I do like the Celtics taking game four. I see Milwaukee taking game three because their first game back at home. I think they will have like they'll have like the energy, they'll have like their fans there, whatever. I like them taking game three. I think if the Celtics do take one in Milwaukee, it will be game four. A split would be huge. I mean, obviously. But you to leave if you leave Milwaukee down three one, and then you gotta go where the games go. Boston, Milwaukee, Boston for the last three. That yeah. would be the that that would just be too dangerous to flirt with. Yeah. I just see I I, I get you, you get back on home court. I just think I, – I really do think the Celtics, they're that type of team where when they lose, they, they look inward and they go, what are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And I think they're, the, they're that type of unit right now where they're like Pfizer Forum, TD Garden, Rutgers Park, a court down by Southie, <laughs> Walgreens parking lot. They don't no. care. They don't care. Roll it out and we'll play. And you could have an entire arena. Not 17- We'll see how they're welcome down there. Going from Boston to New York City would be tough. But, I mean, 
NBA hoopers have always been in big town college guys. I just think they don't care where they play. And at times I think they play too much into the crowd at home, but on the road, it doesn't seem to get to them too much. And yeah. the defense is their identity. The defense is playing well when their strength is the strongest, as dumb as that sounds. And their weakness is flourishing. Like they did in game two. They know the defense is going to be there. It's not going to be a worry. The bucks, they don't know if their offense is going to be there. And what's big for the Celtics, if they get their shots, the bucks are one of the worst half court teams in the postseason, they mm. don't. They like to get out in transition because mm-hmm. they're, the Bucks are scoring eighty nine point two points per one hundred possessions in half court. So wow. when it comes to that, you you hit your shots. You don't let them get in transition. You force them into a half court offense. That's just going to bode well for the Celtics. Yeah, no, for sure. I do. I love how you mentioned Rucker Park. I'm still stuck on Rucker Park. <laughs> Jason Tatum might be a lot. I mean, I don't know if he's been he there, already, there, but I'm sure they they're not going to turn him. He's too good to turn him. No, in. exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking inward, Ime Udoka is not afraid to hold his guys accountable. Just like you mentioned, you know, when things go wrong, you know, he looks inward, like you mentioned what he said to Jason in the huddle during that moment in the game. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing for them. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a group of young guys who won, like granted, we see Jason who's playing a lot more confident now because he's just, he's in a great rhythm. He's found his game. He's a lot stronger, but when you're dealing with a lot of young guys, the biggest thing for you is to make sure that they are confident when they go out into the floor. And that means telling them like, okay, this is not working. Let's do this. I think you're great at this. Let's highlight and emphasize this. So I think that Ime does a great job with that. And we talk about him um, coming from the coach Popovich tree. I mean, so is Mike, but like Ime, I think has done an incredible job this season. And I think if they get out of this series, that'll just be another huge statement to the rest of the league. So you got, Bucks taking game three, Celtics taking game four. Yeah. I got Celtics taking game three. You know what I'm doing, Chelsea? I'm, I'm going one game at a time. I'm living one day at a time. Okay. I'm, not looking, I'm not getting too far ahead, not looking too far back. Wow. I'm focused. You know? Zen. You're zen. That's what I'm in. As your world gets tougher and the moment gets bigger, make your world smaller and put the blinders on. So that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to go with Celtics game three. Okay. And by my logic, let's face it. I mean, screw it. You gave a two game prediction. I'll give a two game prediction. If the Celtics are going with their basics and then they take game three, nah, Giannis would bounce back in game four. I'm giving, I got to give the championship credit. Cause I was gonna say they go up three, one. I see the series going to seven. I just love it. It's unpredictable, but the Celtics are getting to their basics. It's going to it like very well with the defenses we have and the quality of shooting. This could be a series where it's like, Puts Mike Budenholzer back on the hot seat, as crazy as it sounds. If it goes, yeah. you got a first-year head coach coming in, having his guys executing, mm-hmm. and given Chris Middleton is out, if he comes yeah. back, oof. But I yeah. think it could be a big hot seat series for Mike Budenholzer potentially. No, yeah, I still – I like Celtics and six. I mean, I was saying this. I like Celtics and six. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it'll be tough. I think for me, the biggest thing – We'll be watching game three and how the Celtics respond to the Bucks fan base to just playing on the road in this series specifically. I think that they were a little more confident going to Brooklyn and playing. So I still I still like Celtics in six. I mean, I'm going to stick with that. I am not going day to day with you on this. <laughs> I'm trying to just like pick a number and stick with it. Um, but I'm going to go Celtics in six and then we will see. It's it's beautiful because Bucks in six was the saying the hashtag last year, and the Bucks won in six against the Suns. So, Celtics in six, the shift, the energy has shifted to Milwaukee. 
Thank you for listening to the Nesson Celtics podcast for George Blechey and Chelsea Sherrod. Thank you for making us part of your day. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.